Hey everyone, welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattleman You. Through our conversations here, we share the latest ideas and techniques to help you start, improve, and expand your farmer ranch. Join us as we visit with industry experts and cattle producers to get honest ins and outs of beef production. We'll dive into topics such as cattle handling, nutrition, cattle markets, genetics, and so much more. We encourage everyone who's involved in the industry to listen. Let's dive in. I am very excited to sit down with Jordan today, who is the Cattle Menu Manager, and talk all things Cattle Menu. Jordan has really come into K-Rose Company and taken the responsibility of Cattle Menu, and we're going to talk a lot in this podcast about what is Cattle Menu, why it got started, and what it looks like today. So thanks for joining me, Jordan. I'm really excited to join you. This has been such a fun project to see the podcast really grow, and I'm excited to be a part of it now. Yeah, we've loved having you as the Kettle Menu Manager handling really all the nitty gritty stuff. Can you describe a little bit about your background and then kind of what your role looks like at K-Rose managing Kettle Menu? Yeah, so I grew up on a cattle ranch in New Mexico, so that was my whole childhood. I grew up an hour from town, so very much the ranch life was what I grew up with and everybody around me was involved in agriculture. So it took a while for me to get outside of that. Oh, everybody knows about agriculture bubble and things like 4-H and FA really took me outside of that. And I got to see the impact agriculture can have on people that aren't necessarily the producers and stuff. And I think it was important for me in college. Now I'm not actually majoring in ag. I'm majoring in business communications because I wanted to see the world from a non-ag perspective when I went to college and see what other people thought of our industry and how I could bring those thoughts back into the industry to improve what we do every day. We have loved having you because you have this unique education piece that's part of your soul. That's part of the reason why we developed Kettleman U. And so you fit so seamlessly into that role because you constantly are bringing us back to teaching and educating, which is the mission behind Kettle Menu. And you have such a heart for that. One, building curriculum. And a lot of that experience came from FFA. But you definitely, I mean, it's kind of a surprise you're not going to be an ag teacher, but you still have that heart of wanting to educate and wanting to give knowledge to other people. Yeah, that was definitely the important thing for me when I took the internship position originally for the Cattle Menu program. I've really got to see the Cattle Menu program from all sides, starting as an intern, kind of doing the nitty gritty tasks that weren't necessarily the most fun, and then building up to kind of running the whole thing and being the one that finds the speakers and putting together the web pages and all of the behind the scenes things you don't really think of when you run an educational program. It's been awesome to see it kind of from every side. And to be able to put my passion for, like you said, curriculum development and educating others behind something has been a lot of fun because I didn't want to be an ag teacher, like you said, but I still was passionate about agriculture education and reaching kind of the next generation of producers. We're both in that next generation. And I think it's important for us as those people that are going to take it over to teach other people how to take it over and how to be successful in those roles. So I'm going to flip it on you. What was your original vision kind of behind Cattle Menu? What made you want to start this passion project? It started in 2020. So we were heavy in the pandemic. And one, I remember seeing conferences, not ag conferences in particular, but conferences go to a virtual style. And I tried to attend a couple of them and it was like 48 hours of just getting bombarded with material. And then it was over. I was like, this can't work in agriculture. Like you might have to be in the tractor or with a vet or whatever. Like it just, that model didn't work. And then I also started to know, so I have an older brother who's seven years older than me and he's back on the operation with my dad full-time. So it's my dad and my brother full-time. And then me part-time is probably what you'd consider it. But I noticed that when my brother came home, as soon as he started to get more responsibilities, my dad started to leave. And I just thought to myself, you know, we're technically first generation in Montana. My grandma's involved in our Montana operation, but my parents didn't grow up in Montana. So, you know, my dad's first generation. I just said, we cannot wait until my brother's in his sixties to implement new ideas. Like, we just won't make it. And we have a pretty diverse 
operation and we've done some things really well, of course, some things we hadn't, but I was like, he needs the education now. And also from a selfish standpoint, I realized that I was listening to business books and podcasts and education, and I would bring those ideas to my brother. And it was almost like I was bombarding him. Like he hadn't had any time to consume any of this education. And he's like, all I do is work. And so when I first started Kettle Menu, the goal was just to take that education home to the ranch that could be consumed no matter what was happening. The other piece that was really, really important to me when I first started Kettle Menu is that you could listen multiple times because I know when I'm trying to convince my dad and my brother of something, I want to hear a speaker two, three times say the exact same thing before I go and sit down with them. And I hate that at a conference, you have a great keynote, right? And you can take all the notes you want. The keynote's over, the experience ends. You don't get the guy's email. And even if you do, the chances that he emails you back are pretty slim. That was your education piece. There's zero follow-up. If we're going to change a whole generation of thinking, it takes a lot. I mean, it's not a one-hour video that then is going to be implemented. So I really wanted those two pieces. And that's where the basics of Cattle Menu started. Yeah, I think that definitely... I was in the same boat. I was putting on those virtual conferences that were two-day events where it was insane information, but it was targeted towards high school students. So it was a little bit of a different, like fun format. We saw that the loss of impact through that 2020 year, even on our FFA students was huge because like you said, they couldn't follow up. They weren't connecting with each other. They weren't connecting with anybody new because it was hard to actually make connections that would last. So I think that's an important part that I was excited about with the Cattle Menu community is you're not only a part of the platform to watch those videos and get that content, but you also have this community of fellow members who are all committed to growth as well, which I think is super cool that you get to meet other young producers who are starting out like you or fifth generation trying to find something new and just really growing together is a really important part, I think, of the Cattle Menu community. Yeah, the other thing that I think we do really well is we provide all different aspects. In a month with the topic, we will even have speakers that sometimes contradict each other because we feel as if our role in Kettle Menu is not to teach you how to run your business, it's to supply opportunities for you to change your business. You never go to a conference where they have two speakers who say the exact opposite thing. I felt like that was important. Like what works for us here in Montana, we have some members in Florida or in the South or in California, like it might not work, but they could probably take something out of one talk and another talk and kind of mesh it together to make something that works for them. Yeah. Like you said, there's people all across the U.S. And so like the things that you, even being in Arizona myself, like the things that I've learned while I was in Montana for the summer we're completely different. Like you can run so many head of cattle on an acre where it's acres per head, not heads per acre where I grew up. So like that is insane to me learning all those different things. And you really get to see the experience of other people and learn from how they've walked the path. We do do speakers that are more older people or people who have been in the industry for years who have all those perspectives and they've really gone through it and had to learn the hard way where we get to come along and then learn from them and not have to make those same mistakes they do which I think is a really important part of any good educational community is not having to do the mistakes again, being able to pick it up and start from where they left off. Yeah. So then kind of following the Cattle Menu journey. So we founded in fall of 2020 and then Jordan joined the team in 2021. And we kind of were doing the same thing, right? We were connecting with new producers or producers who want to make a change. And then I had something said to me that really caused a huge left turn in Kettle Menu and a few things that had been playing a factor in that. But one is I attended a conference. I asked my dad and my brother what my secret sauce was. I also asked my fiance, and I'm sure he will be very mad that I'm sharing this, but he said, your Alfredo sauce. And I was like, not what I cook. I mean, like my <laughs> secret sauce in life. Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast, but um. <laughs> Both my dad and my brother, without coming out and saying being a woman, is exactly what they said. They said your creativity, your sensitivity, your femininity, the way you approach problems. I mean, very much. And it just got me thinking that something I hear a lot of ranchers say is, oh, I keep my wife out of that. Or she does the cooking. Or she's in charge of records. 
I really came to the Kettleman U team in spring of 2022. And I said, I think that we need a shift and we need to really empower women in agriculture to take a seat back at the table. I think they were very involved. And then I think we had terms like keep your wife out of this. And I think that the reason why the suicide rate, some of these farms going under, all these things that we're seeing on social media blow up, right? I think a lot of it is because we've removed the creativity, the sensitivity, the relationship building piece out of our operations. And so today, Cattleman U looks a little different. So do you want to bring everyone up to speed on what Cattleman U looks like today and kind of the different avenues that we have? Yeah, so I was very excited when you came with that change. I was kind of feeling the same vibes, I guess you would say, where it was we needed to make a change and we just didn't know what that next pivot was. And I think this pivot was really important to us because we are an all-female company, which makes it sometimes hard for us to talk to our male audience, which we were trying to do. And we kept ending up being like, well, that sounds like it's for the wife. And we kept saying that meeting after meeting. And all this time I was like, we're so good at talking to ranch women. So I was happy when we made that focus to start talking to them. So there are three different ways to now be involved in our Cattleman U program. I guess four different ways. So the first is the podcast. And we're really focusing on ranch women in those interviews that we do and finding people that speak to each type of ranch woman there is. Because there's not just ranch wives. There's ranch mothers, ranch daughters, first generation, single woman entrepreneurs and things like that in the ag industry. So we're talking to all of those different audiences through our podcast. Then we're all very busy in our company. We've learned that everybody has a side hustle along with our jobs here. So a planner was a really important thing to everybody. And that looked a little different for each of us. So some of us used online. Some of us like to have those physical books, but we also still wanted it to be a tool that we could use outside of just writing down our tasks. So our team came up with our Academy New Planner, which isn't just your everyday weekly breakdown of a calendar. It has action steps for you to improve yourself, your operation, and your ranch relationships, which I've never seen a planner like it. And I really, really enjoy putting it together and helping be a part of this new project that we started for women. The planner is insane. Like if you haven't had a chance to look at it, I would recommend looking at it because there is so many actionable pieces in it, which I think are important because a lot of times you're given these resources like a workbook and never told how to work through it or how the pieces connect. And we were very intentional with connecting the beginning to the end within the workbook. So I think it's great, a great tool there. Were you going to say something about it? Yeah. One of my favorite pieces is the dinner prompt conversation because Mm -hmm. I think, and I see it mostly with my niece and nephew because I'm just trying to be very intentional about the questions I ask. But if you phrase the question, how was school today? You know how they answer? Good. If you Mm -hmm. phrase the question, what was the best question you asked your teacher today? It totally just changes the conversation on its head. And what we see is really busy ranch families sitting down for dinner, right? One kid's off to football, one kid's working on math homework, the husband and wife are beat, they just worked outside all day. And the conversation can say, how was your day? You only have so many years with your children at home, that you can have these conversations. And sometimes it just takes someone saying, maybe you should ask it this way, or maybe you should try this. And so I absolutely love that. And I also love that we poked a little bit on some of the sensitive topics. So one of the questions that we asked for a spouse couple to ask each other is, do we want our kids to ranch? And I don't think that question comes up without some prompting in a lot of everyday conversations, because we're going through the motions, we're getting the kettle fed. It just sometimes takes a spot. We have that there and some room to write some journal um, thoughts and to journal a little bit about how that goes. But in the planner, our goal is to make the whole unit stronger. So to make you stronger as an individual, the relationships. I think that women are so good at relationships. Um, They can sense a lot of times it's a female who can will say something's up with the hard man. It's just different, right? Men and women are very different in the way our brains speak. Next, we have the relationships. And so like, who are you hiring? Who's doing what job? What role do people play? And then we have the operation. And I think a lot of us spend all our time on the operation. And we hardly ever kind of back up and work on us as individuals. And I know as a business owner, that the impact that I make on my team members and our business and all of that is only when I change first. 
And it's only when I notice where my hangups are and I start to think outside the box. And so we really wanted to make it this like universal three pieces where it's like each section can be worked on and it will make a big change in the operation. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to work through starting with yourself. I love the saying, like, you can't fill up other people's cups unless your cup's full. So if we aren't putting anything back into ourselves or any of our resources, if we're only going to conferences to learn about ranching and how to do that better and not improving how we as a manage things and how we work as a business owner, then you're never going to be successful. You can learn all the tips and tricks that you want to, but until you really improve yourself, those aren't going to work out. I don't think, I think it's important to be a good manager first and that's any business. If the CEO or the top person isn't, working on themselves or trying to make the company better then the company's not going to work. And we don't treat ranches like that. We tend to try to just fix the problems at the ground instead of working from the top down. So I think that's a cool thing is that we started from that top down in the planner and made it pretty logical to start whenever you start planning, starting with that individual section and working through it as if it is the year long project. So by the end of your 12 months with the planner, when you have added all your tasks, you're done with each of the three sections, which is super cool. A little side tangent here real quick. My other favorite section talking about changing mindsets is the uncontrollables versus controllables. That section changed my whole mindset personally. Like that's something you've talked about, Caroline, just in general, is that concept. And since the day I started working for you, I've loved that concept because it's so important to really take a step back and evaluate circumstances and be like, okay, can I personally control this or is this out of my control? I think that section is really important and you've always hit on that. We use that a lot internally and especially with leadership. Anytime someone has to have a difficult conversation with a customer, another team member, vendor, whatever it may be, I always say, okay, what can you control in this conversation and what can you not control? You cannot control how they react. You can only control yourself. You can control your language. You can't control the action they take after. And then I always say, what's fact and what's fiction? And so, you know, what part of this is actual fact? The assignment, the report did not get done on time. That's the fact. How it made you feel is up for debate. The fact is it didn't get done on time. And I think sometimes we don't work on ourselves in ranches because we use the excuse that, oh, that's my son. I'm just going to have to put up with that. And something someone said to me once that really made me think about it is they said, would you hire them if they weren't your family? And a lot of times I think we put up with more because they're family or because they've been here a long time. And that's just how they do it. But if we worked for, you know, a huge corporation in Denver, would we hire them? Yes or no. And we have to look at the ranch the same way. The margins are so tight that there is not the opportunity to not treat it as a business. I know it's great to work with family. Like that's one of the best things I think about the ranch is that when I go there, my dad, my brother, my niece and nephew, everyone's there. And it's like one of the best pieces. But we also have to know that people have their strengths and people have their weaknesses. We give a lot of leadership to people who don't have leadership skills because they're the oldest or their home full time. And we forget that people are happier when they're good at what they do. And if they're not good at managing people, that's not a fault. It's a fault because we've given them that responsibility. We need to make people do and give the opportunity to be really good at what they do. Like one thing we say about K-Rose all the time, one of the reasons why we hired Jordan is hunger. We want people who are hungry. We want people who are passionate and we want people who are honest. We can literally teach the rest. Like we'll find their hole in the company with their passion. In ranches, we just don't seem to do that. And so all of those, the controllable, uncontrollable, any of those behaviors, the $100 job one, any of those things in there, it really makes you add this business lens. I honestly think a lot of ranches are missing. Yeah, I think it's super important. Have you taken a deep dive into what it takes to run a kettle operation like a business? Can you feel lost when it comes to financial terminology and understanding the kettle market? Well, you're not alone. Kettleman U has created the Kettleman U Profit Finder focused on understanding your operation as a business. 
This six-part series will give you access to speakers like Shaley Stewart that help you gain confidence in all things business and markets. Join the waitlist today at kettlemanulive.com slash profit finder. So kind of building on those pieces that ranches are missing, our next step was our Cattleman U video series, which we call the Profit Finder. So it is a series of five videos, five topics, so six videos under those five topics on all different things, business and profit minded. Building on thinking like a business, we wanted women specifically to have these tools to be able to come to the table prepared when they go to a loan officer, when they're making a business plan, when they're learning how to run QuickBooks. Because we saw that a lot of women, although they are the off-ranch income, they're expected to balance the books. And most people don't go to accounting school if they're going to go be a nurse or something. So we're expecting all these people, specifically women, to have skills that they just don't have. And it takes them by trial and error with something that can't really be trial and error to learn. And so you can't really mess up your books when it comes to taxes and you have to be ready for taxes and audits and things like that. So we wanted this QuickBooks series to help you understand what's in QuickBooks and things like that. So we do specifically target what QuickBooks has, but we're also going to talk about some other financial platforms and just financial tips and tricks within those videos to kind of make it a little more broad if you're not going to use QuickBooks. But that's one of the tools that we've noticed by talking to people in Cattleman U and outside of it who are just in ranching. That's usually the most common platform that's used. Then we also talked about the cattle markets, which I know, Caroline, is something you're passionate about. So do you want to kind of cover what that video has? Because I know that was an exciting interview. Yeah, that was my favorite interview so far. And um, we have a couple more, so I'm sure I'll get a new favorite. But one of the things that Shaylee said that I just really loved is that the cool cow market accounts for 20% of a ranch's income. And we all sell our cool cows at the lowest price. Not all, but a good chunk of them. I actually saw a Facebook post today and someone said, do you know why the cool cow market has dropped? And a few of the comments said, well, it's going to continue to go down until Thanksgiving. It's a cyclical market. And I was like, absolutely. We need to say that louder for those people in the back. And 20% is a huge difference for a lot of operations. That's a make or break year. I think in ranching and something that I talked about on the last solo episode I did is we act without thinking and we do it out of habit and habits can be the best and the worst thing in our life. We have to start playing offense on ranches to make this work. The profitability is not there unless we are picking up the pennies and unless we are being really intentional. And so we talked all things, kind of what the market looks like, ways to bring in more income. And then the other thing we talked about, which no one wants to talk about, is expenses. It's really easy to say, I didn't have a profitable year because my calves sold less than last year. And to be honest, profitability has two pieces. It has income and it has expenses. We can really control expenses, even though we think we can't. Um, My dad had a great example. On our way back from Texas, my brother was going to get him some new tires. And my brother just got quoted the local tire shop and said, I'm going to take them in. And my dad's like, let me make a phone call. And so I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was about $200 or $250 a tire cheaper. And he made one phone call. You know, even if we say $200 for the whole truck. And how many ranch vehicles do we have? 10? I mean, that's (laughs) $2,000. That pays someone's salary for part-time help during the fall. It makes a big difference. And and we often get so caught up on our calves got to sell for more or, you know, X, Y, and Z that we forget that the expenses is the other piece of that. So that's one of the lessons I'm really excited about. And also we talk a lot about preparing to go into meetings and to sit down like with the loan officer. I mean, we have a very detailed, everything you should have ready because what we want to do is we want to save time and we want to equip women to feel empowered in those meetings, ask the right questions, fire a loan officer if they need to, all of those things. And I just don't feel like those resources have been out there until this profit finder. Yeah, I agree. I think you said a really important thing, like having the guts to like fire a loan officer. I know that that wasn't the main point of that conversation, but I think it's important that especially women, when they go into these things, like we tend to kind of go with the person who knows more than us. And to maybe not understand it and be like, okay, they know what's best. 
So if they're telling me to do this, I trust them. And that's a dangerous position to get in when you're doing something in business. So by equipping ourselves and letting us know that we are knowledgeable enough and have the information we need allows us to not fall for those things and to really be ready for tough conversations that will put our operation first. And I think that's so important, especially when you're the one bouncing the books and knowing the numbers behind things in a more specific manner to have the knowledge when you're talking to a loan officer and have the knowledge when you're making the business plan to be confident in your stance on things. And kind of going about that expense thing too. Another thing that we talk about in the Profit Finder is the value added programs and options for operations. So a lot of the time, like you said, people are like, oh, if I just got more for my calves. Well, there's more than just selling cattle that makes a ranch profitable. And that's things like having a farm to table operation, leasing land out for hunts, things like that, that have additional revenues of income that make your operation successful that aren't necessarily an off ranch job. So having knowledge about how to start those is so important. You could probably talk a little bit more about that, Caroline. Yeah, it just reminds me of a conversation I just had with my dad, you know, so my dad's in his 60s. And I said, Dad, you have this asset. How can we make the asset make money for you? Like, you don't need to work harder. You don't need to go to more cattle sales. When we're at a sale, you need to buy more cattle. Absolutely. But how can we make this asset that we're sitting on make money? And something we'll talk a little bit sneak peek at the end. But one of them is we're going to host some in-person events, retreats. And one of them is we're going to, Kettleman U is going to lease the ranch for an event. When I started to talk about this concept with my dad, one, it's a new mentality, but also I said, we have to work smarter, not harder. Like you physically can't in at your age do more manual labor like you can. My dad's a tough guy, but at some point you're not going to be able to, right? And at some point your body is going to be broken down and it's going to be hard to get around. I mean, I have, my grandparents are all still alive. They're all almost in their nineties. And like, we're seeing the effects of hard manual labor on my grandpa who's turning 90 this year. I just was really encouraging my dad, like, how can we take what you already know and make an income off of it? And sometimes it's just a different mindset. The other example is I follow this lady on Instagram and we'll put her information um, in the show notes, but she is probably the best cook and she does harvest meals and she probably feeds eight people every day. And she like plans this whole meal out. And I messaged her on Facebook because I'm nosy Nancy. And I said, are you selling those meals? And she said, no. And I said, why not? If you are in a farming community, 50 people who want meal on Monday, Venmo me money. I said, absolutely. We don't farm, but we have big farm days. And I totally would buy those that night. You deliver them while you're going out. When I was talking to her, she said, this is a brilliant concept. She was like, why don't more ranches think outside the box like this? Like, if you love to mechanic, Why don't one day a week you offer your neighbors to come do kind of a maintenance exam on their tractors? You get a little extra money. You love what you're doing. But in agriculture, we don't think like that. Like We don't think about things like that. And also in other businesses, we do, right? There's assistants. There's someone you can hire to clean your house. Like There's all these other ways of people that come in and you give your services. We just don't think like that in agriculture, but how much time do we waste doing maintenance on a tractor? I mean, we are not mechanics. Like we pay someone to do our oil change, right? But how much time do we waste doing mechanic work or trying to do maintenance that we could in turn pay someone for one hour to get done what took us in 12? And what's the cost of our time versus that? We just, we don't think like that in agriculture. Yeah, I think that it goes back to my accounting class that I took back in fall semester last year. We talked about opportunity cost, which is the what you're talking about. It is what do you lose? Like you have to factor that in when you're going to make a decision is what could I be doing with this hour of time instead of doing XYZ? And I, that concept, I was just, I was, my mind was blown because it's so important to really value your time. Like I made the decision when I came up there to Montana recently, I decided instead of driving myself to Phoenix, I was going to need a shuttle. Because in that two hours, I was able to do work instead of have to focus on the road. And so it's easier for me to pay the 50 bucks to get a ride down there than to lose that two hours when I could have worked on school. 
And so I think it's just valuing your time and how you only get 24 hours in a day and about eight of those you're sleeping. So you only get, a, that leaves you 16 hours a day to make decisions that are going to help you run your operation and make income and stay afloat. And like, what are you going to do with that 16 hours of time that you have? That's an important question to ask yourself. Yeah. And we can't, as ranchers anymore, work for $5 an hour or a buck an hour. We have to exchange some services so that the people who do it well are coming to do it well for us. And we're doing something better during that time that makes the operation more money. And it's a different concept. I'm sure if you've listened to any Cattle Menu things, you know I talk about stuff like this outside the box all the time. It is really important that we kind of tweak. I mean, we don't want ranches to become corporations, but there's a lot of really great things that businesses do in other industries that we're just simply not doing in agriculture or not doing on a big scale that I think we need to start. Yeah. And that's one thing I've really enjoyed about working for K-Rose Company and Cattlemen U in general is we're not afraid to think outside of the box and we're not afraid to make the box bigger. And I think that that's important is people limit themselves with this tiny little box when it's like, it's okay to make safe decisions as long as you keep increasing the size of your box, which may be a weird analogy to some people, but I think every once in a while there are good safe decisions to make and it's okay to make the safe decision, but you can't lose out on those outside of the box things and those scary things because you're too worried about being safe and doing not hurting people's feelings and doing the things that have been happening for generations. That's a hard thing when you're working with multiple generations is stepping on grandpa's toes or even your dad's toes or your mom's toes when it comes to making these new decisions. They feel like they know what's happening and stuff. So it can be hard to implement new things, but I think it's about going about it with tact and saying, yes, this has worked for you. And this is a great thing that we've been doing, but can we try this one new thing? And doing in bite-sized pieces like that, I think is really valuable. And that's kind of the Cattleman U model in my mind is starting with one thing and then building from there. So if you start with the planner, you can get the video series and then the membership and things like that. And really just building on the resources you have is so important. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the membership. So you mentioned it there. So the Profit Finder is just a small segment of videos, very similar to what you will find within Kettle Menu, but more of my teaching. So the Profit Finder is filled with my teaching as well. Talk a little bit about the Kettle Menu membership, kind of what that looks like, why people become members, um, and all of that. Yeah, although I really love these side projects and like the smaller pieces of Calvin U, my true love of the whole thing is the Calvin U program itself and the membership because there's just so much value in each part of it and so much intentionality in each piece of it. So we broke it down to three different levels of membership, which I think is a fantastic decision that we made since I've been on board. So the first level is the select membership, which is for people who are a little bit busier and don't necessarily have the time to consume large amounts of information. So in that select membership, you get the community, which is so important, where it's everybody, even people in all of the other two levels, they're in this community as well. So you get to talk to people that are still growing with you and learning alongside you, but maybe have more time to consume the higher level knowledge. So therefore, they can bring that to you without you having to even have watched the videos, which is so cool to me. And we also have the reading materials in that section. So we handpick articles from all across the country on the different topics of the month. So each month we specialize on a topic and we get reading materials, pre-recorded presentations, and have a live question and answer session with the speakers that month. So there's kind of three working pieces to the levels. So that first one, like I said, is the community and reading materials. Then the next ones are choice levels. So this is jumping a little bit more into the pool. It has one of the pre-recorded presentations, the reading materials, and then the community as well. And then the top membership level, which is Prime, has all the pre-recorded presentations for the month, reading materials, industry discounts, and the community, as well as that live Q&A. So all three of the levels get the live Q&A with the speakers, which is kind of our underrated resource, I would say, where these are questions that anybody can ask, they get answered, and you get to rewatch them. So if you can't tune in when we have it, you can go back and watch it. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily utilize this to its full potential. Because they like forget about it. It happens every month. So they're like, oh, I'll just go rewatch it. But then we kind of get in that mindset of, oh, I'll go back and never go back. So if I could stress to anybody that's a calendar member is to watch the profit fails because they're so 
packed with insight that speakers, when they're doing their pre-recorded presentation, people get nervous when it's a recorded format. So they'll forget to go on the side tangents. But that Q&A is full of those side tangents where I think you get the most knowledge. Yeah, and I love the Q&A because I participate just like I was on the panel, (laughs) but I'm also asking questions. I find a lot of reoccurring themes come up, but I also find that this is the follow-up to the keynote at the conferences you're missing. It's like your chance to say, here are the notes we took um, to one of the professors or one of the people in extension or whoever's you know speaking and sitting. Can you go into more detail on heifer fertility? Like I understand, but I need a little bit more. And in conferences, you don't get that, right? I mean, Mm-mm. occasionally you can go up and shake their hand, but here you could have watched the video 10 times before the profit panel. You could have had your spouse watch it, your parents watch it, whoever watch it with you and come to these profit panels with really intentional questions. And you just don't get that follow-up anywhere else. And it's so important, like you said, like you don't get to go and ask those deeper questions. And so after having your thoughts and even refining your thoughts after you do your own research, you can come back at them with things they didn't even ask in the presentations that are similar to the topic. Any Q&A at a conference, you don't have time to gather your thoughts. It's just spur of the moment what comes up. And it's usually just targeted at what they said. Whereas after watching presentations, you can come back to it, watch it like you said again, do your own side research and ask questions that they don't even cover. So I think that's so underutilized just because it's such a unique resource within an educational community. Yeah. And I think that the community group, the Facebook group is really undervalued too, because a couple of our goals with that is they say what donkeys hang out with donkeys and thoroughbreds hang out with thoroughbreds. I mean, that's a very common saying, but also I know that sometimes in agriculture, it can feel stupid, your question, your thought. And in this group, it's not. I mean, all these people are hungry for a change. They realize that the next generation of farmers and ranchers is not guaranteed unless we do something different. And I love that. It's a lot of, I'm going to try this. Have you guys tried that? Does anyone have advice for switching, you know, nutritionists or whatever it looks like? But you're kind of hanging out with people who want to change the game. There's never been a dumb question. We've never had anyone say, that was stupid. Why'd you bring that? I mean, none of that. It's like everyone's the same level of hungry. And when you get them all together and you have them, all the other members, like right at your fingertips, it really makes a difference. And there's tons of education and tons of pieces that can be involved in that. And so I love that resource. And I think that just being in community can be so great. And I I mean, you've gone to a conference, right? And mm-hmm. our natural tendency is to sit with people we know um, or to meet a couple people and you say, you know, have a few sentences with them and then you walk different ways in the trade show. These are established customers. And I know what's happening is people are buying bulls from other cattlemen you members. There's, you know, semen sale reps. People are buying semen. Like they're taking their services and mixing and mingling them within cattlemen you because they already know this person is like me. Like they're hungry. They want to do things different. They're thinking outside the box. And so it makes those relationships really great. And it also, like you said, gives you that commonality that yes, your commonality is cattlemen you, but they all come from different backgrounds and they're all at different stages of their operations. Like, yeah, there's some people at the same thing, but nobody's ever at the same exact stage at the same time. So like you said, they can ask, I'm switching this. How have you done it? And things like that. And then people can come and say, yeah, like I've used this for years. I use it with X, Y, Z in my operation. And that's so crazy to be able to get that without having to travel to different areas because these people will be from Kansas talking to somebody from Montana where it's like, how would those people have met unless they went to like a breed association thing or something like that, that brought people together from different geographical areas because we tend to go to our local farm bureau conferences or even state events, but it's hard to make time to travel out of state, let alone down the road to a county thing. So that's the coolest part to me is if these people can network with people from all different areas without having to travel, which is so hard for us as agricultural producers to get off the operation in somewhere else for an extended period of time is like crazy to most people. If you said that to somebody who's in the trenches of being a first generation agriculturalist, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, I'll leave tomorrow. That's the cool thing is they can get that same experience without ever having to leave the comfort of their own operation. 
Absolutely. And that's what we wanted to do. And we also want to build this community. I think we undervalue community. If we go back 30 years, the agriculture community was based in the church, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you needed help harvesting. You saw someone on Sunday and said, hey, can you come over? As ranchers get more rural and things get busier, we've lost some of that. Not all of it, but we've certainly lost a piece of that. And so we really wanted to build a network of people that they could rely on and they knew or just as ambitious as them, um, whether that be the guy next door or whether that be, you know, half a country away, our members are incredible. But there are some incredible relationships that have formed between members. I agree. And it's definitely awesome to see the people that respond to every single post or anybody who puts a comment. There's a select few of them that respond to every single post. And even if they say, I'm not sure about this, but like I've done this, it's just so impactful to me that these people will help in anybody no matter what and just kind of support each other in that way is so cool to see and to be a part of and help to facilitate that. That's goes right back to my passion of education and really helping people network is such an important part of education and being the change for that next generation because we are the next generation. Yeah. And I think, you know, we just go back to what we were saying about what we really believe women getting involved in the operation. And I gave this example on a podcast, um, but wasn't a kettle menu podcast. And someone said, can you give an example of a time where your creativity made a difference? And I don't know how many of you listened to that, but the example I gave was the bud box. So we use a bud box to work kettle. And I told my dad and my brother that we needed a mirror in the corner where you go and shut the gate. Because I said, in the moment that I'm shutting the gate, if I could see behind me, I could one, feel more safe, and also I could effectively move when I turned based on where I saw the cattle. And I remember both my dad and my brother just looking at me, not really dumbfounded, but they both said, we never would have thought about that. We have undervalued women in agriculture. That is not a thought my dad and brother would have ever had, but one, it improves time and it improves safety. And what more could you want as an operation? And I really think that the key to saving the American farmer and rancher is to add that creativity back, add that sensitivity, add that flexibility, all the things that women have as positive traits that we were given by God to add that back into the operation. I think we have to, like, I think we're in crisis mode. If we don't, I don't think that the American farm that we think now is going to survive. Like the family operations have to have women more involved. And so it's something we feel really passionate about. I mean, kind of our overarching umbrella for all things K Rose Company, Cattleman U, the rancher's daughter, all of that is to ensure the next generation of farmers and ranchers. And that's becoming increasingly difficult in the times, inflation, I mean, all of that. But I firmly believe that having more women sit down at the business table, using those God-given talents that come as second nature to us, I think that is going to be the key to changing the game for agriculture and being able to keep the family farm and ranch. Yeah, it goes back to the ranch longevity conversations. If We listened to that sound the other day that's been trending kind of on Instagram and TikTok where it's like, the guy just talking about, do we want people to come back to the operation? Like we're the generation that was told to leave. I was told to go get a college education, like find a career that I was going to make money in because it wasn't going to be staying on the ranch. That was what I grew up with. And so many people, like I went to a rural school that was K through eight, 28 kids. All of us were told to go to college and don't come back until like we've made money for ourselves. And so if that's what us 28 kids in rural New Mexico were told, imagine what everybody else is telling their kids to across the U.S. This, my generation specifically, and your generation, we're told to go to college and find something else to do because there wasn't money in our culture. And that's dangerous because we told everybody to leave. So who's going to come back <laughs> at that point? If the people growing up in it aren't coming back, then we're in danger. So showing that there's opportunity and showing that you can make a profit and it is a business is so important to me because that wasn't something I was told. And that's what makes me so passionate about teaching other women and teaching everybody in Cattlemen use like it is a business and you can make it profitable. You just have to make some changes. Absolutely. And you can make it incredibly profitable. I mean, it's a money mindset shift. And I can't remember, but I just saw it on Instagram today. Someone said, 
I hate living. It was like a switch conversation, right? So someone said, I hate living paycheck to paycheck. I feel like all I get to do is feed my kids and come home to my house. And the person flipped it on its head and said, I'm so thankful that I have a paycheck after paycheck coming in. And I get the opportunity to feed my children with the food that I'm buying. It just reminded me that like words are so powerful and we have been told to go make income somewhere else. But the thing is, is agriculture, when it runs in your blood, you just can't do anything about that. I mean, it's in our souls and it's in our heart and we want to produce food and fiber for the world. I say this all the time on profit panels. If you want to be involved in agriculture, we need you. It doesn't matter what it looks like, whether you be in New York City, you're growing a little garden in an apartment building, or you want to run a big cattle ranch in Montana. Like if you have a passion to feed people, we want you to be involved. And what we have to do is we have to change the mindset and change the game of family operations. And it's not a big shift. These are little 1% changes. But I don't think we're talking about it enough, which is part of our cattle menu mission and part of what we like to do on social media and this podcast. I think there's huge opportunities to be able to have the ranching life and have a profitable business. I think it's time for the sneak peek now of our in-person events. Oh, yeah. So one thing that I really felt was missing was a tribe of women and opportunity to get together and to learn new skills. We are um, still finalizing the details, but it looks like we're going to have two in-person opportunities in Montana next summer. So summer of 2023. And the first is going to be a practice ranch. We're going to name it something better than that. So, but one thing that I think is missing, and I see it in my own operation, I never get to run the head catch because we're always under tight pressure. I never get to give shots because I'm not that confident in it. And so I run the alleyway. And this retreat that we're going to do in Montana, we're going to catch cattle in the hydraulic chute until you feel like you're a pro. And then we'll switch to someone else. Like this is a take the pressure off. Let's get you the skills so that you can go home and feel confident because it's not the skill that's lacking. It's the opportunity to do it when it's not, the whole world's not on fire. And we just don't have that at ranches. So I'm really excited. We're going to do some low stress animal handling. We're going to do some like leadership building and um, personality development, as well as like, we're going to give shots until we're blue in the face and everyone feels comfortable drawing the syringe, giving an intermuscular IM, all of that. Like, We're going to do it until you feel comfortable. So I'm very excited about that one. And then the other opportunity that we're working on is a retreat to come to Montana and harvest. We're hoping beef, lamb, and pork, and then learn with experts on how to utilize the whole animal. So not only being able to feed your family, but also being a good steward and resource for the whole animal. So rendering the fat what to do with the organs, canning, all of that. And so an opportunity to really be able to take some things and become an expert. Um, A little bit of that homesteading aspect, but also just on a ranch, I think it's, you know, a gift that we've been given to steward these animals. And if we have the animal, like don't let the meat go bad because you don't know how to cook a cut. Like we're going to solve that. We're going to figure out how to take it from the whole aspect um, and really give some tools that you can take home. I think the important, two important things. So about the first one, my favorite thing is after talking to one of our fellow team members, Lexi, about it, she was so excited about this opportunity because she's like, I like the kids. When they're doing those things, her focus is on making sure the kids aren't getting hurt. And she doesn't necessarily have time to be the one to catch the calves in the shoe or be the one to give the shots because is lunch ready? Are the kids falling off the fence? Is everybody okay? Like those are the thoughts happening and not necessarily those skill thoughts. And so this will take the, not the kids aren't invited, but (laughs) this will take the kids out of the equation for you can really focus and not have the pressure of someone to be like, oh my gosh, like you messed that up. Like nobody's going to say that because there's going to be no mistakes. There will be mistakes, but nobody's going to be on you about it because we're learning together and taking away the pressure, like you said, from every aspect and making it about you and your opportunity to come back with these skills that you would have had to take years, like we said, to gain rather than just a retreat. And then the second one, I think it's important for us to understand how to utilize the whole animal and things like that as well, because those are questions we get from the public. Like, how do you utilize it? 
And when we fully understand what we do as agriculturalists, it makes us better at presenting the facts to people that question us when we're under when we're under fire from those questions from the outside. If we don't have the answers, we get defensive. And we don't want to be defensive when we're asked about our lifestyle and about why we're still in agriculture and why the agricultural industry is so important. My favorite stat, which I know everybody talks about, is 2% of the nation feeds 100% of the nation. So sometimes we'll get caught up and say, oh, we feed 98%. That's not true. We feed 100% of everybody in the United States with only 2% of the people making the food, fiber, and everything. If you wear clothes, if you eat three meals a day, you are directly impacting ag. So I think that understanding our impact individually and understanding what we do is so important when we get asked those questions. Yeah. And, you know, if you're working on becoming more profitable and you have a calf break its leg, you should know how to utilize the meat. I mean, I feel Mm -hmm. very strongly about that, that we leave a lot of opportunity because we don't know what to do. We don't know what's safe. We don't know, you know, how to cut it up or how to take the big quarters and what to do with them. And so I think that that skill is really important. And also just on the simple terms, like there's cuts of beef, I don't cook because the only recipe, short ribs is a great example. (laughs) The only recipe that I've ever had or ever seen on Pinterest is the one with red wine. And I just don't love it. And so I just Mm -hmm. naturally like stay away from that. And there's options. I mean, you don't even have to cut them into short ribs. And we don't know about all the options oftentimes because again, we just get in ruts. We're just humans, right? And so I'm very excited for both of those. One, to bring women together. I think a lot of magic happens when women get to Montana and they can one, feel relaxed. One of the retreats, I think we're going to be sleeping outside, have really good food. Like it's just good for the soul, but also this bond that you're going to build with these other women and these skills that you're going to take home. Like we're going to do things, no pressure. No one's going to be yelling at you. It's very much a hands-on learning experience. Take a few days, decompress and go home a better version than you came. Yeah. And like you said, the community, they'll go home with women that they can ask questions. So if you forgot something, there's going to be somebody they remembered and you're going to have that somebody at your fingertips. So I think that's going to be a really important aspect of those in-person events as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jordan, for one, being on the K-Rose team, but also heading up Kettle Menu and bringing education. You're as passionate as I am about changing this industry and making impact. And so it's easy to work together when we both have the same end goal. And so thanks for all you do. Um, We'll put all the Kettle Menu links and everything in the show notes. And if you guys have any specific questions about Kettle Menu, we'll put the contact information in there. And Jordan would be happy to answer questions for you. Yeah, thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at cattlemanulive.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to review when you get there. We are excited to learn alongside you and remember the grass is greener where you water it.